0: King Review, Print Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Q in review, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at CuneReview.com That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M Or by calling 0141 772 3976 That's 0141 772 3976
1: This is from the Glasgow Times on Thursday the 14th of December 2023 from the Lifestyle section. How to clean oven doors as Mrs. Hinch fans share tips. This article is written by Rebecca Carey. A product which is available at the likes of Poundland, Tesco and Sainsbury's is loved by fans of the cleaning guru Mrs. Hinch for cleaning oven doors. Getting your oven clean is no easy task and is often one chore that we tend to put off for as long as possible. However, there is a simple and budget-friendly solution that many fans of the cleaning phenomenon Mrs Hinch swear by. Mrs Hinch, otherwise known as Sophie Hinchcliffe, is well-known and beloved for sharing cleaning tips and tricks. In fact, she has inspired a whole community including a Facebook group called Mrs. Hinch Cleaning Tips, where like-minded users ask and answer questions on everything from stubborn stains to useful products. We have recently been sharing these tips, including how to unblock your sink, how you can dry your clothes indoors without a dryer, and how to get a streak-free shower, to name just a few. One of the most recent dilemmas comes from a top contributor on the page, asking how they should clean their oven door. Members of the community's Facebook page rushed to the comments to share their wisdom and suggestions, ranging from cream cleaner to oven pride. However, one of the most popular recommendations was a product that can be picked up from many major retailers, including Tesco, Sainsbury's and Poundland, for pound fifty. One user advised Pink Stuff Paste, We'll take that off, no bother at all. Another member chimed in, Pink stuff, paste and scrunched up tinfoil. Works fab. While a third agreed, Pink stuff, paste and tinfoil. Did mine last night and it came up like new. So who is Mrs Hinch? Mrs Hinch, otherwise known as Sophie Hinchcliffe, is well known and beloved for sharing cleaning tips and tricks. The popular influencer created her Instagram account, Mrs. Hinch Home, in March 2018. Since then, she has accumulated 4.7 million followers on the platform at the time of writing, and has written several cleaning books which have been included on the Sunday Times bestseller list. In fact, her memoir, which was released in October 2020, This Is Me, became a number one bestseller. Her work as an influencer has even inspired an entire community Facebook group where people share tips and tricks for cleaning and decluttering their homes. We have recently been sharing these tips, including how to unblock your sink, how you can dry your clothes indoors without a dryer and how to get a streak-free shower, to name just a few. That article was written by Rebecca Carey. This is from the Glasgow Times on Thursday the 14th of December 2023, from the Opinion section. We should embrace contributions brought by immigration. This article is written by David Linden. We're all from somewhere. Words that will resonate with Glaswegians across the city. A city whose vibrant tapestry has not just been enriched by our iconic architecture, institutions and rich cultural history, but by the people who have chosen to call Glasgow home. Since the early Brexit campaign days, the issue of immigration has fueled our political debate, dominating the headlines as well as the UK government's political agenda. While the UK government is intent on pushing through its cruel and divisive Rwanda bill this week, in the face of the hostile rhetoric Glasgow and indeed Scotland continues to thrive on the fusion of culture, languages and skills that migrants have brought to our city. Under the UK government's latest plans, people arriving in the UK face the risk of deportation to Rwanda, a policy that sits firmly in breach of international law. At a time when Scotland not only has an ageing population, and we are also faced with the reality of a declining population, immigration is the key to Scotland's successful future. While immigration socially and culturally enriches our nation, we cannot escape the fact that our care sector, hospitals and schools rely on the work and skills that migrants bring to our country. In contrast to the current divisive rhetoric being spun by the UK government, which has now announced yet further salary thresholds, migrants are not a burden, but rather an economic asset to Scotland, filling essential roles in our hospitals, schools and public sector. I myself have seen the impact on my constituents of these arbitrary salary thresholds, which have hindered family reunions and future economic prosperity of our economy. Despite this, the UK government remains intent on pushing forward with this piece of abhorrent legislation that only further stirs division and hatred towards some of the most marginalised groups within our society. Instead, I would suggest that they should be focusing on providing safe and legal routes to those fleeing war and persecution. Listening to the ongoing debate that takes place in Westminster... Surrounding this matter, the chasm that exists politically between us in the SNP and other Westminster parties could not be clearer. This constant narrative only further pits neighbours and communities against each other, as people are treated with unwarranted suspicion and scepticism. But what's worse is that we are now in a bizarre position where the Labour Party's position on immigration and deportation is now a stone's throw away from the Tories. Instead, in Scotland, we celebrate the differences that enrich our culture, as well as acknowledge the fundamental economic benefits that come with migration. Not only this, we stand in unity with those who have chosen to make Scotland their home, which is testament to the empathy and kindness shown by Scottish people. While Scotland may not yet have power over immigration, it's why it is so important that we continue to reject the dangerous narrative and fear being spun by Westminster and instead embrace and acknowledge contributions brought to our country through migration, something we are culturally and economically richer for. And in the words of the late Bashir Ahmad, it isn't important about where you come from what matters is where we are going together as a nation. That article was written by David Linden.
2: From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of December, from the news section. Amy McDonald reports potholes to Glasgow City Council. Article by Rosie Lewis. Amy MacDonald has come to the rescue of drivers across the city after reporting potholes to Glasgow City Council. The singer said she encountered hundreds of millions of potholes as she recently drove to the supermarket. She then sat in the car park and reported down 10 to the council. In a video shared on TikTok, the Bishop Browns star said she was doing her bit for society. Amy said, The life of a pop star. I'm sat in the supermarket car park and I've not went in yet because my, on my journey, I encountered hundreds of millions of potholes and I've just been sat reporting them all to Glasgow City Council. There has been 10 reports. I'm just doing my bit for society. These potholes will get fixed because of me. She then joked, I might be wrong, but I don't think Taylor Swift goes out driving and goes, that's a bit horrible pothole. I'd better get onto the council and get that reported so somebody doesn't damage their car. I mean, maybe she does, but I don't think she does. Fans of the singer took to the comments to praise her hard work. One person wrote, not all pop stars wear capes. Another said, living the dream. A third added, great work, can you do a UK tour? A spokesman for the council said, we always encourage people to report any potholes they encounter while driving. Reporting a pothole will ensure the issue is properly addressed and appropriately included in our ongoing maintenance programme. Potholes can appear suddenly at any time and are caused by environmental factors such as volume of traffic, ice and rain. Our approach is always to tackle the most dangerous faults as a matter of priority. And that article was by Rosie Lewis. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of December, News. Car firm boss high on cocaine crashes Audi into pedestrian crossing. Story by Connor Gordon A director of a car sales business was caught behind the wheel while under the influence of drugs. Gerald Grimley, 38, was snared by police in Rutherland, South Lanarkshire on September 14 14th, 2022. A court heard Grimley collided into railings and traffic lights at a pedestrian crossing which caused significant damage to them. Prosecutor Monique Cooney said that Grimley was trapped in his TT and emergency services had to assist. Police attended and Grimley of Stonehouse, Lanarkshire, admitted he was responsible. Miss Cooney said, he provided a sample for a drug swipe and it returned a positive result for cocaine. A further blood test was carried out, which gave a reading of 200 micrograms of cocaine per litre of blood. The limit is 10 micrograms. Grimley pled guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to dangerous driving and driving with the exceeded amount of cocaine in his blood. His lawyer told the sentencing. He is employed as a director of a car business which he shares with his brother. This is a successful business which has operated for 8 years. He deeply regrets this incident and takes full responsibility for it. He has had a major reality check while driving. It was also revealed that Grimley has had to employ a driver as a result of his licence being revoked. Sheriff Owen Mullen fined Grimley £600 and disqualified him from driving for 14 months. He was also ordered to do 60 hours of unpaid work and tagged for two months, keeping him indoors between 8pm and 7am. The Sheriff said, It is acknowledged rightly that this was really poor driving in the circumstances. The consequences could have been grave. article was by Conor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times Friday the 15th of December News Erskine man raped women at industrial estate Article by Dave Finlay An Erskine sex predator who indecently assaulted two female fitness instructors before raping one of the women has been jailed. Paul McFadden preyed on the younger women at a community centre in Ayrshire. And subjected both to sexual and inappropriate remarks and touched their breasts and buttocks. He went on to perpetrate a rape on one victim in a vehicle parked up at an industrial estate in Ayrshire and a sexual assault in a car on a lay by in Johnson in Renfrewshire. McFadgin, 61 of Park Bank Erskine, had denied a series of offences during a trial at the High Court in Edinburgh but was found guilty of five charges one of rape. Three of indecent assault and a breach of the peace. All of the offending occurred between July 2003 and December 2006. After a jury returned the guilty verdicts, McFadden began clapping during an outburst in the courtroom and proceedings were brought to an end in his absence after the trial judge ordered his removal. Lady Poole said that McFadden, whose previous convictions for enticing or attempting to entice teenagers into his car, was convicted of extremely serious crimes following the trial. The court heard that McFadden had grabbed and pulled the clothing and underwear of the younger fitness instructor, who was a teenager at the time. The other victim was kissed and bitten on the neck, molested, and had her loin or clothing pulled down by McFadden. On one occasion, he crept up behind one of the women and pulled down her trousers in front of a 12-year-old boy. Advocate depute, Donald Davidson Casey said McFadden started off making sexualized, inappropriate remarks to the woman but then escalated his behaviour into grabbing, gripping and bottom-pinching before going on to commit penetrative assaults. The prosecutor said he seemed to find some sort of sexual thrill or perverse pleasure in humiliating young women. Defence counsel Sarah Livingston said that McFadden has been suffering from anxiety and depression and made suicide attempts. Lady Poole deferred sentence of McFadden from the preparation of a background report and risk assessment. She remanded him in custody ahead of sentencing next month and placed him on the Sex offenders Register. And that article was by Dave Finlay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of December, from the news section, Glasgow bus boss hits back at campaigners amid franchising row by Marissa the boss of a bus operator has hit back at campaigners after calls for SPT to return the bus network to public control. We previously reported that demonstrators staged a rally outside of SPT offices in the city centre on Friday morning while a board meeting was underway. Ralph Roberts, CEO of McGill's Group, disputed calls to enact bus franchising powers which would give the council more power to dictate fares and routes. Mr Roberts said Many campaigners and politicians believe franchising is the silver bullet to improving bus services overnight. Nothing could be further from the truth. Bus services could improve improve immeasurably by local authorities tackling car congestion and addressing much-needed bus priority. If councils were controlling buses, they would still be subject to the same cost pressures as we are. As a company, we do not profit here and we invest heavily in new buses with the highest percentage of zero-emission buses in Strathclyde. That is one of the reasons we have a 94% customer satisfaction, and we're named Scotland's 2023 best public transport operator runner-up, as well as having won the top slot in 2022. McGill's are eager to be part of the bus transformation debate, but it has to be based on truth and facts. SPT is currently developing a Strathclyde Regional Bus Strategy, SRBS, to improve the bus network. Initial findings highlighted fare increases well above inflation, shrinking network coverage, congestion delays and sustained passenger decline. An SPT spokesperson said, Phase 2 of the SRBS will consider all options to address such issues, including the provisions set out in the 2019 Transport Scotland Act to present a preferred way forward in March 2024 including the proposed operational and funding model as well as timescales for delivery. SPT has been clear that any change must be founded on a robust and strong business case, with sustainable funding sources identified and all risks and opportunities clear to decision makers. Changing the delivery model will only be successful if there is recognition of the need to get priority to bus and bus on the road network. SPT Welcome to input and views of all interested groups and parties as we work towards developing and delivering the SRBS to ensure the bus network better serves the people and communities of the West of Scotland. And that article was by Marissa McWhorter From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of December, News. Man cracks brother on head with pipe in the gorbals. Report by Connor Gordon A man injured his brother after striking him in the head with a pipe. Joseph Smith, 23, turned on Patrick Smith, 25, in Glasgow's Gorbals on June 30, 2023. The city's sheriff court heard that Joseph and his girlfriend travelled from Kilmarnock, Ayrshire, to Glasgow to meet Patrick. There came a point when Patrick and Joseph's partner were walking on Ballater Street together. The pair bumped into Joseph and an argument took place between the brothers. Prosecutor Monique Cooney said, Joseph took a pint and hit Patrick in the head. He had an injury to the side of his face which was one inch in length. Patrick also sought Joseph and the women had to get in between them to stop them. Patrick contacted the police meantime but Joseph, off Kilmarnock, had left the scene before officers arrived. Patrick said My brother Joseph just cracked me on the head with a pipe. I'm saying nothing. Police later traced Joseph to a sports shop in the city centre where he was arrested. Joseph told officers, I'm the one that's been assaulted. He's done this to my face. He hit my bird as well. Joseph's lawyer told the sentencing that the brothers have had difficulties in the past. Sheriff Owen Mullen ordered Joseph to do 90 hours of unpaid work and put him under supervision for eighteen months. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the fifteenth of December, news: Man in hospital after mugging in Glasgow city centre. By Facebook reporter Morgan Carmichael. A man has been mugged in Glasgow city centre. The thieves struck on Argyle Street, where they nicked the man's phone. The incident occurred on Thursday December the 14th at around 2.50am where the pair also assaulted the man. The man attended hospital for treatment of the following the attack. His condition is unknown. Detective Constable Andrew Reid of Glasgow CID said Our inquiries are ongoing and we are appealing to anyone who may have witnessed the incident to come forward. We would also ask anyone who has any information which would assist our inquiries to get in touch. Anyone with information is asked to contact police on 101, quoting incident number 0368, of Thursday, December the 14th. Alternatively, you can call Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111, where anonymity can be maintained. And that report was by Morgan Carmichael. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 15th of December, News... Teen Given Sentence at Glasgow Sheriff Court Over Teacher Attack Article by Connor Gordon A teenager who choked a PE teacher unconscious after disturbing a classroom has been ordered to do unpaid work. We previously reported that Aaron Strachan, 18, turned on Martin Sangster at a residential unit in Bishop East Eastern Bartonshire on June 22, 2022. Strachan, now of Edinburgh, grasped the teacher from behind and grabbed him by the neck for five to six seconds. Other members of staff had to intervene to separate the pair. Strachan pleaded guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to assaulting Mr Sangster to severe injury and danger of life. He also admitted a later assault on David Cosgrove at the unit to his injury. Sheriff General Bonner ordered Strachan to do 150 hours of unpaid work and put him under supervision for two years. The court heard that Mr. Sangster was asked to take Strachan back to a room at the unit after the initial disruption. The teacher heard an alarm sound and he headed to a football pitch in the unit where he waited at a wall. Strachan walked by Mr. Sangster meantime before he turned back the way. Prosecutor Jenny Reed said Strachan placed his arms around Mr. Sangster's neck and squeezed it, which lasted five to six seconds. This was with such force that Mr Sankar was lifted off his feet and left unconscious. Staff intervened to get Strachan to let go of the teacher who was later taken to hospital. Fortunately, Mr Sankar was left with a bruised back. The hearing was told that Strachan was being restrained by members of staff at the unit on September the 30th, 2022. During the struggle, Strachan hit Mr Cosgrove to his left eye and bit him to the tricep which pierced his skin. Mr Cosgolf was treated with a dressing to his tricep and he also received a tetanus jag. And that report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 16th of December, from the news section, Exclusive! Glasgow man left scared to leave home due to cyclists on pavements. Articles in Exclusive by Nicole Mitchell. An elderly man has been left scared to leave his home due to speeding e-bikes and cyclists on pavements. Mohamed Ishak, who has lived in Anderson for more than 40 years, says he no longer feels safe walking in the local area because it is too busy and cycle lanes have been made crossing the road confusing. The 84-year-old said There are too many barriers when going out like what's going on and rubbish everywhere and people cycling on pavements. It's very hard now to walk around the area safely. Even crossing the road is strange, but someone was divided into separate areas for cycling, which is confusing. Mohammed said he believes part of the reason for the increase in cyclists in the area in recent years is used the food delivery companies. He continued, I think there are more bikes around in the area now because of people doing deliveries and they are not using all the roads. They also go too fast and annoy people. I don't think some of the ride- those riding bikes care about their own safety or anyone else's. Some of the bikes look very big and be, can be quite scary. It comes after we previously reported city centre residents are calling for a crackdown in e-bikes in pedestrianised areas, with some Garnet Hill residents saying they should avoid Suckey Hall Street due to the number of them. In a meeting organised by Gar- Garnet Hill Neighbourhood Watch in August, residents said they wanted e-bikes to be classified as motorised vehicles for the bikes to have registration plates and for all cyclists to be better educated. Mohammed's son, Dr Abid Ishak, says he believes cycle lanes in the Anderson area are underused and a danger to pedestrians, particularly in Eldersley Street and Bar- Barclay Street. However, a spokesperson for Glasgow City Council said it was working on a wide range of initiatives to make travel and foot as safe as possible. Dr Ishak said, The cycle lanes are a danger to pedestrians crossing the road because they don't understand the layout of the cycle lanes and the fact, fact is, A lot of cyclists are not stopping when it's a red light. There are also cyclists going through red lights even when there's no cycle lane and basically endangering themselves and causing chaos for drivers. Dr. Rishak, who grew up in Anderson, also says some cyclists are riding on the pavement on roads where there's a cycle lane and that he believes those cycling responsibly are in the minority. He says he feels angry that his father is no longer safe walking around, around and feels more needs to be done by local authorities to tackle the problem, including adding signage or getting rid of some of the cycle lanes. He added, We live in a country where we should be able to walk about freely in a safe environment, and there are elderly and disabled people who are finding it difficult. They have to walk across a pavement, and they don't know if they're going to get hit by a cyclist. It makes me really sad, really angry, not just with the behaviour of cyclists, but also with the failure of law enforcement agencies and the council to acknowledge the problem and put measures in place to tackle it. Road Policing Inspector Hugh Nichols said, We have been carrying out joint patrols with officers from the local problem-solving team in Glasgow City Centre in response to complaints and incidents relating to e-bikes and e-scooters that are not road legal. Our focus is on educating riders on safety and legislative requirements, as well as using enforcement action where necessary. Road safety remains a priority, and I would encourage anyone with information or concerns about potentially illegal e-bike or e-scooter activity to speak to officers on patrol in Glasgow City Centre or call Police Scotland on 101. A Glasgow City Council spokesperson said, We are fully committed to improving the city's environment for active travel, whether that be walking, wheeling or cycling. Pedestrians are recognised as the most vulnerable road users and we are working on a wide range of initiatives that will make the travel and foot as safe as possible. Concerns over safety are also the single biggest barrier to people cycling and this is why we are currently delivering a significant expansion of the city network of cycling infrastructure. When safer, segregated cycleways are introduced the number of people cycling along these routes has been shown to increase significantly. Use of the West City Way which runs through Anderson almost doubled in the previous three years and a future rise is expected for 2023. Before a cycleway can be formally opened for use the new infrastructure will be subjected to an independent safety audit that considers the safety of all road users. All road users are expected to follow the highway code at all times to ensure the safety of themselves and others. Where rules are breached such as cycling through a red light, cycling on the pavement, or riding an unlicensed e-motorbike, enforcement is a matter for the police. And that article was an exclusive by Nicole Mitchell. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 16th of December, from the news section, exclusive, school near Glasgow praised by inspectors, by Anne Fotheringham, Renfrewshire school where pupils are achieving high levels of attainment in literacy and numeracy has received a positive report from inspectors. Education Scotland's assessment of Bishopton Primary highlighted a number of key strengths including the headteacher and senior leaders encourage and support staff effectively to take responsibility for leading improvements. All staff feel trusted to lead in changes to improve and enhance learning experiences for children. The inspectors were also impressed by the range of nurturing approaches taken by staff to maintain a very positive and supportive environment. The report added, Children respond well to the encouragement and support they receive and are able to progress well as a result. Pupils were described as confident, articulate and happy in school and the report continued, They respect each other and are proud of their school. They welcome opportunities to take on leadership roles. The inspectors also noted, Across the school, children have high levels of attainment in literacy and numeracy. Children have meaningful opportunities to apply their learning and skills in a variety of situations and through a wide range of activities beyond the school day. Areas for improvement, which were identified and discussed with the head teacher and a representative from Renfrewshire Council, included a requirement to develop whole school approaches to assessing children's progress and attainment, involving parents in the review of how and when information is shared. The report also added staff should be built on the highly effective practice that already exists to develop greater consistency in delivering high quality learning and teaching across the school. Wendy McNaught, Bishops and Primary Headteacher said, I am pleased the school received such a positive insp- inspection from Education Scotland which reflects the great work done by staff and pupils throughout the year. In particular... It was great to see the inspectors recognise the pride the children take in helping lead life at the school through taking part in citizenship groups, clubs and committees and that the children are confident, articulate and happy and have high levels of attainment in literacy and numeracy. I was also pleased to see them recognise school staff for taking collective responsibility to develop and lead change and for working well together to bring about improvements. The full report is available on the Education Scotland website. And that article was an exclusive by Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday the 16th of December, News: Tributes paid to 94-year-old true gentleman who lit up men's group. Article by Tom Grant Tributes have been paid to a popular old Copartic man who sadly passed away recently. Robert Simpson, 94, was a regular at dalmuir based charity Men's Shed, a place he would light up daily with his patter and camaraderie. An engineer and draftsman during his working life, Robert joined the men's group in a bid to stave off loneliness following the loss of his wife Jessie in 2020. And son Ross credits the shed, which brings together light-minded men through their carpentry, as giving his dad a new lease of life in his final years. Speaking to the Glasgow Times, Ross said, he always had a positive outlook on life. He was at the main shed on the Monday and died overnight, Monday into Tuesday morning. It was definitely a shock for us. Before adding, the whole family thought that his time with the main shed really made a huge difference and it kept him going a lot longer than he perhaps might have. The youngest of seven children, Robert, who leaves behind two sons, enjoyed holidaying with his family in Northern Ireland as a youngster as well as building canoes and rowing them on the River Clyde. He also liked to wild camp, a hobby he took with him through life. He started his professional life as an apprentice engineer making diesel engines for sugar processing equipment, before later working on local government contracts making windows for council built buildings. He also spent 12 years working in India in the tea plantations, before returning to Scotland in the late 60s and moving to Old Kilpatrick, where his sister lived. Ross explains his father loved his garden, painting and drawing, traveling and going to concerts often found in the opera, the theatre royal or the city halls. He also had a passion for reading. In his retirement and after losing Jesse, Robert found the main shed and with it a place he could put the skills he had learned during his life to good use. Ross added, I think the main shed made a huge difference to him. We were looking after him. I don't mean actively but we're his closest next of kin. we were keeping an eye on both of them and when my mother died we'd do far more with my father. But the reality is when he went to the men's shed he was getting a completely different aspect to life. More to do with how he was brought up. All the folk in men's shed were in Singers or John Brown's, all the engineering. Places that have sadly gone now. He grew up working like that and having that outlook on life. Making things work and he just loved going down there. It was nothing to do with us, he was doing that, on his own, and he forced himself to do it because he always liked to keep active. During his time at the main Shed, Robert was instrumental in drawing up plans for early changes and additions, including the Invalid ramp. Joint treasurer of the group, Alex Faulkner, led the condolences to Robert, insisting he will be sadly missed. He said, What a lovely man, can't believe he's gone. He was one in a million. Another member said, This is so sad. He was my friend from the beginning and a great help. I will miss him. A third added, So sorry to hear about Bobby's passing, a true gentleman and a fine example of civility, being a great strength in handling relationships, benevolence and humanity. And that article was by Tom Grant.
3: Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 19th of December, from the news section. Exact date Christmas return policy ends at shops in the UK by Amelia Kettle. Christmas shopping is in full swing as millions buy presents for their loved ones waiting to be opened under the Christmas tree. But whilst we all hope we can get everyone the perfect gift, sometimes it might just not be right. However, that's where the handy gift receipt return policies come in, as instead of those unwanted gifts being left in a dark cupboard, they can be swapped for something you'll love. Lucky for those who might need to return their Christmas presents, many retailers offer a longer return policy that for some stores can last for three months. So you aren't left hunting to find out if you've missed the return date We've rounded up all the major retailers and their return dates for Christmas items. Tesco. If you bought a gift from Tesco before Christmas Eve, you can return them in-store or online until January 31st, 2024. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's is allowing any items brought, bought from September the 29th until Christmas Day, to be returned by January the 31st 2024 not including food products Argos Argos is also accepting returns from items bought from September the 29th until Christmas day to be returned by January the 31st 2024 Primark Primark's Christmas return policy allows products bought after October the 17th to be returned or exchanged until January the 31st, 2024. Marks and Spencers. Products bought online or in store from October to December 24 can be returned until January the 28th, 2024. John Lewis. John Lewis's Christmas return policy lets you return gifts purchased between September the 27th and Christmas Eve until January the 23rd, 2024. Smith's Toys. Any gifts bought from Smith's Toys from September the 1st can be returned up until January the 31st, 2024. The Entertainer. The retailer is accepting returns from Christmas presents brought, bought between September the 30th and December the 24th. Until 6 p.m. on January the 20th, 2024. TK Maxx. TK Maxx is allowing returns for items purchased from October until January the 23rd, 2024, where items can be exchanged or receive a gift card of the same value. Boots. You can return or exchange gifts from Boots bought from October the 1st until January the 31st, 2024. This is a, an article Exact Date Christmas Return Policy Ends on Shops in the UK by Amelia Kettle from the Glasgow Times Tuesday the 19th of December from the news section Rangers Hero Opens Up About Risky Heart Surgery by Esther Tarnai Rangers Hero Connor Godson talked about his life-threatening heart condition and players' reaction to his chest scar. The footballer was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm, a swelling of the large artery which passes through the abdomen, which was at risk of bursting, with potentially catastrophic consequences at the age of 24. He underwent surgery, which was successful, and a large scar remains on his chest. The 31-year-old said, I don't see it anymore, it's just part of me. Part of my body. It looks nice. I like it because it shows that I've, what I've been through. The only thing with the scar is when you are in the showers here, people ask questions. I don't mind talking about it now. But for a long time, the star had a hard time opening up about the procedure and how it affected him. He said, Truthfully, I've never really spoken about it openly because it was a difficult time. But I also felt fortunate that I was able to continue playing, so I've never really wanted sympathy. When new players see the scar on my chest, there's always a big reaction straight away. I was so fortunate. I was out for three to four months and I've never had a problem since. I see people in football who have knee operations or ankle operations or broken legs that are out for a lot longer. Of course, when you do your knee, it's not life-threatening. The risk of mine, well, I was going to die. Specialists consider surgery when the aorta root is 50 millimetres in diameter. And at Connor's first scan, his was 49 millimetres, then 50 millimetres at the second. He said, basically, if I wanted to play football, I had to have it done. There were no ifs or buts. I could have stopped playing right then, and it was my decision, But if I wanted to continue playing, I had to get it done. The surgeon said they had to fit a stent because it could have popped at any point. Nothing else mattered and all I really cared about was whether I could play football again. The juror's centre-back had a successful recovery and was back in pre-season just four months later. He added, but a lot has changed since then. I got married and now I have two children and they are the highlights for me. Looking back, football was my priority, and I still love the game, and I love what I do and want to continue doing it for many years. But now that I have a family and children, they are the most important things. Connor has the heart rates of both his children, Caleb 5 and Connor, who will be 2 in February, tattooed onto each risk, taken from the baby scans before they were born. He said, it reflects what I've been through, and they mean everything to me. Instead of having their names, their heart rate seems a lot more appropriate. The Englishman's condition was picked up in a random check-up and he believes were he not an elite sports person, it would probably have remained undiagnosed. It comes as the Rangers Charity Foundation has pledged to raise £25,000 for the British Heart Foundation over the course of the season, and aims to encourage as many fans as possible to learn life-saving CPR via the charity's free online training tool, Revive R. He said, the BHF do an amazing job and I'm happy to help in any way. That was an article, Ranger's Hero Opens Up About Risky Heart Surgery by Esther Tarnai. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 19th of December, the news section. Further Cuts Will Harm Communities by Stuart Patterson The Deputy First Minister has warned more cuts to council staff will have serious consequences for communities. Shona Robison is revealing her first budget as Finance Secretary today, with expectations that there will be jobs going in the public sector. Robison said, we have a policy of no compulsory redundancy and that policy will remain. The work we will do with our unions and public sector bodies and organisations is to make sure that if we are looking to change the size and shape of the public sector, we do that in partnership with our unions. So there will be no compulsory job losses here we will do it in a way that is done in partnership and that we manage to reduce the size of the public sector in an orderly way that manages to reduce cost but not at the expense of compulsory redundancies. A council tax freeze is also planned and COSLA, representing the country's 32 councils, said it must be fully funded. Stephen Heddle, COSLA vice president, said unless it is funded with additional money For each council that allows them to fund their planned council tax increases, then it is not fully funded and it will be our service users who will suffer as a consequence. Councils say they need at least an extra 300 million to keep council tax at the same rate. Mr Heddle added, COSLA knows that the Scottish Government is under pressure financially around this budget. However, The council tax freeze came out of the blue and has serious financial implications and any suggestions that local government's workforce needs cut further will have serious consequences for communities. Meanwhile, anti-poverty campaigners are calling for a £58 million investment to raise the Scottish child payment from £25 to £30 per week. John Dickey, Director of Child Poverty Action Group in Scotland, said struggling families desperately need a budget that will provide immediate support as well as help meet statutory child poverty targets. Increasing the Scottish child payment to £30 is a cost-effective investment that would provide much-needed financial support to the lower-income families who get little, if any, benefit from the proposed council tax freeze speculation Robinson could introduce a new higher tax rate for people earning more than £75,000 has led to Prime Minister Rishi Sunak stating further tax rises would be very disappointing. Robinson hit back and said Sunak had a bit of a cheek and accused him of electioneering ahead of a possible general election next year. That was an article Shona Robison warned further council job cuts will harm communities by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday 19th of December, the news section. Danger to life warning. A yellow weather warning has been issued across Scotland, including Glasgow. The Met Office is warning people that strong winds are to be expected all day on Thursday, December the twenty first, forecasters say this weather could cause travel disruption. There is also a slight chance of damage to buildings, power cuts, and injuries, including danger to life. The warning will be in place from midnight until midnight, and glass regions are urged to stay safe and plan ahead if they are traveling.
1: This is from the Glasgow Times. On Tuesday the nineteenth of december twenty twenty three from the opinion section. Christmas cards are the dying festive tradition I want to save. This article is written by Rebecca Carey. I'm twenty five years old and I send Christmas cards every year. A tradition that many labels outdated and unnecessary, but I'm desperate to keep alive. With the continued high cost of living, the ever-changing digital world that we live in and the recent price hike of first and second class stamps, it's not surprising that Christmas cards are on the decline. A recent poll of 2,000 people named the sweet and simple tradition among the top 10 traditions in danger of dying out, alongside putting pennies in a Christmas pudding and carol singing. While Brits are losing interest in satsumas in stockings, the poll, conducted by Mars, revealed the country is turning towards more modern but equally festive ways to celebrate. 25% of respondents are opting to dodge the festive rush to the shops by taking up a new tradition of shopping in November instead. Meanwhile, 23% choose to wear pyjamas all day on Christmas Day and 22% are embracing a more sustainable lifestyle by re-gifting at this time of year. Don't get me wrong, it's the way it should be. Change is the only thing we can truly count on. It's inevitable that there really is something beautiful about the birth of new traditions, witnessing how they begin, and watching them grow until they embed themselves into the fabric of our culture. But as we welcome the new... We can't help but lose some of the old along the way. Although I won't be particularly heartbroken if we left roasting chestnuts or marzipan fruits in the past, I do not doubt that plenty of people would. It's just that neither of these traditions has left a lasting imprint on me, at least not in the way that Christmas cards have. What makes this gesture so special then? Especially when we can send festive e-cards for free around the world and back again, or FaceTime our loved ones in an instant. It's hard to explain their magic if you don't feel it yourself. To me, Christmas cards are an anchor. They ground me with memories of my childhood and connect me to the women in my family who write them religiously year after year. It's my early years, sending cards to everyone in my class in my primary school's Christmas post. It's my adolescence, visiting my grandparents and seeing floods of cards on the mantelpiece, cabinets and tapes to wooden doors. It's my adulthood, creating my community amongst my neighbours in my home. Although I might be fighting a losing battle, I take comfort in knowing that I'm not alone in it. A recent article in The Guardian reported that we're not abandoning the tradition altogether, But it is changing. Major retailers like The Works and John Lewis spoke to the newspaper saying that consumers are becoming creative and are either buying single cards for close family and friends or are turning to craft scissors and glitter for a more personal spin. You'll be forgiven for thinking that it's just parents with small children who are getting out their Pritz sticks. I turned to TikTok. A video sharing platform popular with Generation Z. Whilst writing this article, Anne found an endless list of hashtags of young people looking for creative Christmas card inspiration. I was blown away by what I discovered. At Christmas Card Ideas has accumulated over 53.1 million views, while Homemade Christmas Cards has garnered 1.7 million and there's been an overwhelming 192.7 million views for Christmas cards on its own. Sure, we might be less likely to hunt in address books and fork out a fortune on stamps every Christmas, but the tradition is far from dead. In fact, I think Generation Z might just be the answer to keeping them alive and well. That article was written by Rebecca Carey, this is from the Glasgow Times on Tuesday, the 19th of December, 2023. From the Lifestyle section. Exact date Christmas return policy ends at Tesco and Primark. This article is written by Amelia Kettle. Christmas shopping is in full swing as millions buy presents for their loved ones waiting to be opened under the Christmas tree. But whilst we all hope we get everyone the perfect gift, sometimes it might just not be right. However, that's where the handy gift receipt return policies come in, as instead of those unwanted gifts being left in a dark cupboard, they can be swapped for something you'll love. Lucky for those who might need to return their Christmas presents, many retailers offer a longer return policy That, for some stores, can last for three months. So, you aren't left hunting to find out if you've missed the return date. We've rounded up all the major retailers and their return dates for Christmas items. Tesco. If you bought a gift from Tesco before Christmas Eve, you can return them in-store or online until January 31st, 2024. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's is allowing any items bought from September the 29th until Christmas Day to be returned by January the 31st, 2024, not including food products. Argos Argos is also accepting returns from items bought from September the 29th until Christmas Day to be returned by January the 31st, 2024. Primark Primark's Christmas Return Policy allows products bought after October 17th to be returned or exchanged until January 31st, 2024. Marks & Spencer Products bought online or in store from October to December 24th can be returned until January 28th, 2024. John Lewis John Lewis's Christmas Return Policy let you return gifts purchased between September the 27th and Christmas Eve until January the 23rd, 2024. Smith's Toys. Any gifts bought from Smith's Toys from September the 1st can be returned up until January the 31st, 2024. The Entertainer. The retailer is accepting returns from Christmas presents bought between September the 30th and december the 24th until 6 p.m. on january the 20th 2024 tk max tk max is allowing returns for items purchased from october until january the 23rd 2024 where items can be exchanged or received a gift card of the same value boots you can return or exchange gifts from boots Bought from October the first until January the thirty first, twenty twenty four. That article was written by Amelia Kettle. This is from the Glasgow Times on Tuesday the nineteenth of December, twenty twenty three, from the opinion section. Urgent investment is needed to improve housing conditions. This article is written by Martha Wardrop. Everyone deserves a warm and healthy home. This Christmas, we have to address this broken housing system across Glasgow that is resulting in families unable to find a home big enough and renters caught up in poor housing conditions. Scottish Green Councillors support calls for significant investment needed to address Glasgow's housing emergency we know that urgent action is needed to stop rough sleeping and prevent further tragic loss of life. Following the disastrous UK government mini-budget of 2022, the housing market has been struggling against inflationary pressures, as well as a devastating impact of Brexit on construction costs and recruitment of the necessary workforce. With capital budgets tightly constrained, The supply pipeline of new housing with associated affordable units is getting restricted. Housing associations have struggled to meet demand with new building and refurbishments. The number of those who are looking for social housing is far outstripping the number of homes available. We have to support calls on the UK Government to immediately uprate local housing allowance – end the spare room subsidy or the bedroom tax and reverse the planned real-terms reduction to Scotland's capital budget. Green councillors are continuing to support work on the delivery of the recommendations of the Scottish Government's Temporary Accommodation Task and Finish Group. We have to engage with the consultation process We have to engage with the consultation process to develop the proposals for a housing bill, with stronger tenants' rights and powers to prevent homelessness. We know that rent controls are vital as a positive step in making renting, in particular in the private sector, more affordable and will incentivise improvements to housing conditions across the city. Bringing vacant properties back into use is crucial. The development of the Affordable Housing Supply Programme to support a national housing acquisition plan is essential. Any housing investment also has to focus on the fact that the energy systems that are used across most properties still involve gas. We know now that the use of fossil fuels needs to be phased out. This is not just for climate, but to help households avoid the volatility of global fossil fuel markets, which care only for profit, not people. Scottish Greens and Government are taking forward plans for change to ensure that clean heat will replace fossil fuels in all our buildings. We have to pursue all available routes to address the homelessness crisis with the Scottish Government, as well as the Home Office and the UK Government. There has to be joined-up working between people involved in health, Social Care, Housing and Homelessness Planning. There is an unsustainable pressure on homelessness services. Through COSLA, it is possible for councils to work together to respond effectively to end homelessness. Councillors must push for actions which increase housing supply and maximise the use of current housing stock. Clearly, the best approach to end homelessness is to prevent it from happening in the first place. There is a need to maintain a strong focus on investing in tenancy sustainment services alongside measures to protect tenants' rights and avoid evictions into homelessness. That article was written by Martha Wardrop.
0: This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of December 2023 from the news section. And the headline reads, Anger as Glasgow pensioners care will be reduced at Christmas. This article is by Amanda Keenan. A furious family are facing a Christmas nightmare after being told their 100-year-old mum's care package is being halved over the festive holidays. Avril Wilson, 78, and her mother, Jean Findlay, were stunned when a letter from Glasgow City Council's Health and Social Care Partnership arrived to say that the pensioner's level of home care is being lowered on December 25th and 26th, as well as January 1st and 2nd. It means Jean, who currently receives four daily visits from carers as she is unable to get out of bed or be moved without specialist assistance, faces being left in a chair all day at her home until staff return later at night to tend to her. However, Council bosses have claimed they have made the decision to reduce the level of care on the basis of information provided to them by the family. Avril has labelled the decision as cruel as it leaves her mum from Newlands in the city's south side at her most vulnerable on days when she needs expert assistance the most. She said, My mum can't wait better on her own and needs help to get around. She suffered a stroke at 86 and her health has been compromised ever since. I can't move her without support. The help that the carers provide is a lifeline to us. I need to visit my son on Christmas Day for a few hours, which leaves me in an impossible position with my mum. To leave families struggling at what is meant to be a joyful time of the year is not right. I'm sure it won't just be my mum who has received a letter like this either. The letter from the Health and Care Social Partnership says that Jean's service is being reduced to a visit early in the morning and one later at night on all four days. Arville says she will be unable to manage her mum's care on her own and claims such decisions are putting an additional burden on families. She said, I was shocked when we received the letter and I want to know why this move has been made. This needs to be sorted out as it is causing so much stress for us as a family. I simply can't manage my mum's complex needs on my own. It takes at least two trained carers to move her because she's so frail. Avril says she has sympathy for care workers who are working over the holiday period and has called on the council to do more to support them. She added, I'm not having a go at the staff. I've seen first hand how they are working flat out and I can understand why people are leaving the care profession with what is expected of them. I'm not criticising the workers, but I don't feel that the arrangement put in place for my mum is acceptable. I'm hoping the council will reconsider and do the right thing, but as we stand, I'm left worrying about how we are going to cope over Christmas and New Year, and I don't think I will be alone. The council says they are doing their best to support families at a time when their resources are under strain. A spokeswoman for Glasgow's Health and Care Social Partnership said, We're sure no one will begrudge our dedicated home care staff a rest on the public holidays after working tirelessly throughout the year. The Christmas and New Year holiday is no different to any other. There will be more than 24,000 home care visits carried out in total over the four public holidays by 1,000 staff who will be on duty to provide care for the most vulnerable. As is usual practice, we've written to our service users and their families in advance about their individual care arrangements. The level of service will be no different to last year's festive period. This article is by Amanda Keenan. This is the Glasgow Times on the 20th of December 2023. From the news section, and the headline reads, Family of missing Celtic fan share Christmas heartache. This article is by Ben Waddle. The family of a Celtic fan who has been missing in Spain for almost 10 months have shared their heartache as they prefer to spend their first Christmas without him. Gary Watson Shearer arrived in the resort of Puerto del Carmen on March 16th to celebrate St Patrick's Day. The 53-year-old was then last seen in the early hours of the next morning, and he then failed to show up for his flight home a week later. We previously reported, In August, the authorities were looking to speak to a mystery man who was last seen walking with the footy fan on March seventeenth. As it approaches almost 10 months since Gary's disappearance, his heartbroken sister, Debbie Shearer, has revealed it's been a nightmare for the family. It's been a living nightmare, she said. It's Gary's birthday on December twenty-first, and we're just lost and heartbroken. I can't even explain it. It's just a living nightmare. It's torture, not having any answers or nothing. We can't even function from day to day, it's just Gary is constantly on our minds. On top of this month being the Renfrew man's birthday, it is also the first Christmas the family will spend without him. Debbie said the family are dreading it. She said, we're heartbroken and we're just dreading it, but at the same time we know we need to do something to keep Gary, like the memory of him. So we're having a closed gathering for close family on his birthday to celebrate Gary. That's all we can do just now, but me, my sisters and mum and dad are all going over in March on the anniversary of him being missing. Since last speaking to the Glasgow Times earlier this year following the CCTV appeal, Debbie revealed the family have had no updates on the investigation. However, Gary's dad recently visited the island in December to meet with authorities. Meanwhile, regarding the investigation, Debbie claims contact from the British Foreign Office hasn't been great. She said, They haven't contacted us. It's us that have to phone them on every occasion. They have never reached out to us just to give updates. See, even if it was just to say, we've still no further forward to just reassure us that they're doing something to help find Gary, but we're having to contact them. Well, in terms of the Spanish authorities, Debbie feels more could be done as well. If Gary went missing here, there would have been a lot more done, she said. Following his disappearance, Spanish cops carried out a search for the area in June. However, we previously reported that the search was unsuccessful. The football fan reportedly disappeared from outside Bar 67 in Puerto del Carmen. However, CCTV cameras show he was lying unconscious in a shop doorway next to the pub around 1.30am on March 17th. Gary's loved ones have also flown out to the resort to carry out their own search. He was last seen wearing a Celtic top, shorts and white Nike trainers with green and yellow flashes. The much-loved family man is described as being around 5 feet 2 inches, has short hair and walks with a distinctive limp. A foreign office spokesperson said, We are supporting the family of a British national missing in Spain and are in contact with the local authorities. The Spanish Guardia Civil has been contacted for comment. This article was by Ben Waddle. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of December 2023, from the news section, and the headline reads, Glasgow Food Bank Helping Double the Amount of People. This article is by Nicole Mitchell. An East End Food Bank is helping double the amount of people on a weekly basis compared to previous years. Tolani Roy, chairperson of the Everlasting Food Bank in Deniston, says the rise comes despite a reduction in funding. She said, it's been quite challenging for us because we've had some really reduced funding. We've had funding from the council to manage the children's holiday hunger cafe, but in terms of funding we were able to access in the past, we've not been able to access much, which means we've had reduced income to run, so we've had to rely on the church and people who want to donate to continue to run it. We've also had an increased service user intake, so in the past, in a week, we would see 40 to 50 service users, but in the last 12 months, we've seen it rising to around 80 to 100 every week. So it's been really challenging. We require more resources to be able to continue to run every weekend. The food bank opens at 1pm on Saturdays, and while people previously used to queue from around 12pm, they are now queuing from as early as 9.30am because they're so anxious they might not get served if they arrive any later due to the increase in the number of people attending. Talani said, it's really saddening it's come to this. When we started, we thought this was going to be short-term emergency food provision to support people until they get back on their feet, but it's turned out people are needing continuous support. Now even people who are working are dependent on the food bank if they are low-income. Like many food banks we have spoken to across the city, Talani says the Everlasting Food Bank has experienced a drop in donations, though support from some businesses has helped them continue to operate. She explained, There's been a drop in donations, but the good thing is because we're partnered now with other organisations, like Marks & Spencer, pret a and Nando's, we tend to get food from these organisations, so that has been a huge support. However, we still have items we need to buy ourselves and there has been a huge drop. For anyone who can donate and would like to, Talani says they need more non-perishable foods, such as pasta, cereal, long-life milk, tinned meat and fish, rice, curry sauce, and tinned fruit and vegetables. We previously reported to the Glasgow Times that were running the Bank On Us campaign for the fifth consecutive year, and we're encouraging our readers to get involved in a food drive. As part of the festive campaign, readers who can donate are being asked to fill the bags we supplied in our edition on Wednesday, November 15th, with food items and hand them in to one of our partner food banks, such as the Everlasting Food Bank. This year, our Christmas campaign is more important than ever due to the cost of living crisis, with thousands of families struggling to heat their homes and put food on the table. As well as the food drive, the Glasgow Times will be raising money for our Bank On Us toy drive via GoFundMe. All proceeds will be used to purchase toys which will be distributed to charities across the city to be handed out to parents and put under the tree as well for every child in Glasgow to open a present on December 25th. The Bank On Us 2023 campaign is proudly sponsored by Arnold Clark, Stagecoach, Allied Vehicles, Spa Scotland, Storage Vault and Step Change. This article is by Nicole Mitchell. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of December, 2023, from the news section. And the headline reads, Glasgow pub offers shifts to staff affected by closure of Virgin Hotel. This article is by Nicole Mitchell. A city centre pub has offered shifts to staff affected by the closure of Virgin Hotels, Glasgow. We previously reported around 150 employees at the hotel were told they were being made redundant with immediate effect yesterday, December 19th, just days before Christmas. Former staff also claim they have not yet been told if they will be paid for time worked. Now, Grace's Irish Sports Bar has offered shifts to some of the affected staff over the festive period. In a post shared on Facebook, Bosses at the Merchant City pub wrote We are saddened to hear of the situation at Glasgow's Virgin Hotel and the position many of the staff will find themselves in this Christmas. The team at Grace's Glasgow are in a position to offer shifts for a certain amount of FOH front of house and bar staff to help them through the new year. Email us at hello at gracesglasgow.com and we would be happy to help. Customers took to the comments to praise the pub for the offer. One person wrote, amazing, well done. Another said, fantastic gesture, well done graces. A third person added, classy gesture, well done and good luck to everyone that's looking for work. Virgin Hotel Glasgow is closing just four months after opening, after Lloyds Development Limited, which owns the building of the new Virgin Hotels Glasgow, was forced to enter administration earlier this month. Virgin Group offered to purchase the hotel, but it was not accepted by lenders. A spokesperson for Virgin Hotels said, Lloyd's Developments Ltd, the owner of Virgin Hotels Glasgow, which Virgin Hotels has a management contract with, has financial problems and on December 1st its lenders put it into administration. As a result, the directors of V Hotel Glasgow Ltd. The employer and the operating company in respect of the hotel are being advised by FRP Advisory LLP as they place that company into liquidation. These financial issues mean that the hotel cannot continue operating and now has to close. They added, Burging Group tried to find solutions including offering to purchase the hotel to keep the hotel open, keep the team in employment and ensure the completion of the development of the hotel creating something Glasgow could be proud of. Unfortunately, the lenders have not accepted Virgin's offers and intend to pursue a sales process with the hotel closed. Virgin Hotels is very disappointed by this decision after the hard work everyone has put into the hotel and because of the impact it will have on the team that works there. Virgin Hotels' heartfelt thanks and gratitude are to those employees, suppliers and guests have been integral to the hotel's launch in the city of Glasgow. The Virgin Hotel's team continues to have great ambitions for managing the hotel in Glasgow and looks forward to reopening once a new owner is in place. No other Virgin Hotel is impacted. All other Virgin Hotels remain open and operating as normal, as all Virgin Hotels are independently owned. This article was by Nicole Mitchell. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of December 2023 from the news section and the headline reads Major Block purchased on Glasgow's Argyle Street for £13 million This article is by Ian McConnell The Clyde Built Limited Partnership joint venture between Scottish property company Ediston and the Strathclyde Pension Fund has acquired a full city block on Argyle Street in Glasgow for £13 million and revealed interest in the upper floors from hotel operators. The block, at 167 to 205 Argyle Street, has been acquired from real estate group Tuskegee in an off-market transaction with the price reflecting a net initial yield of slightly more than 12%. Highlighting opportunities to improve the income profile of the block Edison said there is 60,000 square feet of vacant accommodation for the upper second, third and fourth floors. The property affords asset management opportunities to improve the existing income profile and current WALT weighted average unexpired lease term of 5.7 years. There is already a strong interest in the upper floors, most notably from hotel and apart hotel operators. Existing tenants include Sainsbury's, Poundland, Bank of Scotland, Card Factory, Black's, Pizza Hut, and The Gym, producing a core annual income of £1.66 million. Ediston said the property is well let and comprises a full city block between Buchanan Street and Jamaica Street, a busy and prominent location adjacent to the entrance to St Enoch Centre, and in close proximity to Central Station. The Scottish Property Company noted the acquisition represented the second purchase under its new phase of investment on behalf of the clyde Belt platform. Ediston said this clyde Belt joint venture has a further £135 million to deploy and is actively seeking new opportunities across all sectors in Glasgow and the surrounding former Strathclyde region. Added. That includes value add investments and development sites with or without planning consent. And Clydebelt will also consider joint venture, funding, and partnership solutions, encompassing regeneration opportunities within the portfolio. Danny O'Neill, Chief Executive of Edison and General Partner for Clydebelt LP, said The purchase of this asset in a difficult market where good stock is scarce. It's testament to Clyde track record of concluding deals. Whilst the mandate has a wide geographical coverage across the former Strathclyde region, our main focus is to deploy capital in Glasgow city centre, where we are starting to see value and where there is occupier demand, not only for retail, but for alternative uses. He added, This asset fits that criteria perfectly, and I believe the pitch will continue to improve as retailers seek new stores with the potential repurposing of Buchanan galleries. Next acquisition of the former Topshop unit on Argyle Street is testament to that. This article is by Ian McConnell. This is from the Glasgow Times on the 20th of December 2023 from the news section and the headline reads Work Begins on a New Community Hub in Bells Hill. This article was by Nicole Mitchell. Work has started on a new community hub in Bells Hill. The Orbiston Community Hub, which will be located on Babylon Road, will provide first-class facilities for Sacred Heart Primary School, Lawmuir Primary School, a family learning centre, zero to 0-5 years, and a community centre, which will replace the Joe McKay Centre. A turf-cutting ceremony was held at the site, on Friday, December fifteenth, Councillor Angela Campbell, Convener of Education, Children and Families, cut the first turf. She said, This is an exciting development, and the news will be welcomed by so many people in the community, including the 700 children who will attend each day. The new Orbiston Community Hub will provide pupils and teachers with a wonderful learning environment and provide the local community with a range of high-quality outdoor and indoor facilities. We are delighted to be delivering this major investment in new schools and community facilities for Bells Hill, which underlines our commitment to giving children and young people in North Lanarkshire the best start possible in life. The new hub will feature a dedicated community hall and learning spaces, providing opportunities for a wide range of activities and gatherings. There will be free play areas and equipped play areas, including a school garden to promote outdoor learning, a multi-use games area and a -a seven-a-side all-weather pitch. Michael Ross, Chief Executive of Public Sector Development Partner Hub South West, said, The benefits of the community hub are not limited to the physical building. For example, our Build Lanarkshire programme supports local businesses in the construction industry, to help them secure more work. We will also work closely with our construction partner, Morgan Sindel, to deliver a wide range of activities to develop local skills and apprenticeships. Stuart Parker, Managing Director at Morgan Sindel Construction Scotland, added, We are pleased to celebrate the commencement of this brilliant project, which will see us bring sports, education and well-being to the heart of the Orbiston community. We are proud to have been actively delivering educational facilities for more than 13 years in the North Lanarkshire area where our Scotland Head Office is based. Through projects like this, such as the recently completed Riverbank Community Hub, which is also in partnership with the Hub Southwest, we will leave a lasting and positive legacy. Construction of the Hub is expected to be completed by winter 2025. This article was written by Nicole Mitchell.
1: This is from the Glasgow Times on Wednesday, the 20th of December, 2023. From the lifestyle section. Musician donated £10,000 to Homeless Project Scotland. This article is written by Rosie Lewis. A popular musician has donated £10,000 to a homeless charity based in Glasgow. Paul McManus, who is the drummer of Glasgow band Gun, made the kind gesture to the team at Homeless Project Scotland. The donation was made to support the group's new winter night shelter, which we previously reported they secured back in November after years of campaigning. Homeless Project Scotland thanked McManus for his amazing support. We previously reported that the charity, which had been based under the Highland Man's Umbrella on Argyle Street, was forced to move to Brumelor after claims of bullying and intimidation from nearby traders. They have since been offered a lifeline by Glasgow businessman Barry Cushley, who offered the charity a new home for three months in the basement of a building his company owns on the city's Glassford Street. Charity boss Colin McInnes previously said, We are over the moon. This is what we have been working towards since the very start, creating a safe space for the people who need it most. This is 100% going to save lives. It will massively reduce the number of deaths on the streets this winter in Glasgow. It means the world to us. Mr Cushley has done something no one else in the city has been willing to do. He has turned over an area of a building to us to do whatever we need to do to help people. That article was written by Rosie Lewis.
2: That concludes this
0: week's edition of the Glasgow Times Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Food Review and to tell your friends about our service.